So, since Byron and I recorded this segment, a lot has changed. Right now, you have a standoff going on in Venezuela where there's supposed aid at the border with Colombia. They shut down the border. Some people got shot. Crazy shit's happening. But here is our conversation recorded earlier part of the month. So, Byron, there's a coup in Venezuela, right? Uh, not according to uh, the United States, uh, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, sorry. Look, uh, the daughter of the, of this contra uh, said it was cool, so it's cool. You know, she. You know, the, these people are totally uh, legitimate and not in any way uh, like stirring up shit that like they themselves have created. You know. I guess after all, the 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 people elected. The, the assembly, so they have the right to just be declaring willy-nilly who's the president. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, if, if, you know, if I declare myself president of Mexico and get my friends to say I'm legitimate, I'm the president of Mexico. That's how that works, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should think about that. You know, if AMLO doesn't work out, you're the president of Mexico. Um, I'll take Belize. Small and <laughs> yeah, simple. Yeah. I like that. We could carve up, we could carve up, you know, Latin America for ourselves. Uh, the Belizean Empire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no. but yeah, um, this guy uh, Guido, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't actually know his fucking name. Like, I, 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 I see it, and all you think is like, oh, like it's Guido, right? Like that's that's because like I, I'm on Twitter now all the time now, and it's infecting my brain. <laughs> yeah. Juan Guido. We'll, we'll call him Juan Guido for, for now. Um, for those who actually really don't know, is Juan Gallardo, I think. But <laughs> Oh, my God. Wait. Uh, Juan Guido, two Guido, red Guido, blue Guido. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm very sorry, but, uh, you know. I, oh, I'm not, but. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's, 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 it's solely bogus. So what. How did this happen? Where did we get to this point? How did we get to this point? Okay, so this all started uh, with this one guy named Monroe who somehow became president of the United States uh, during the early 1800s. And there was like this kind of threat uh, that Europe might kind of reinvade the Americas and kind of take back their recently independent colonies. You know, Mexico, Central America, um, Colombia – um, you know, uh, like all the other like South American countries, um, and like the United States would have like basically not have that buffer of a giant fucking ocean um, to save their like to save their like to stop their expansionistic plans. Um, so Monroe issued what is what is essentially called the Monroe Doctrine, which is which essentially said, well, you know, 
on the surface says that like, hey, Europe, the new world is off limits. We're going to protect the sovereignty of the new world. Um, you fucked up. You lost your colonies. Deal like be be grown up and deal with it. Um, but the kind of under the surface and kind of more realistic um, interpretation is essentially the Western Hemisphere is our hemisphere. We can do whatever the fuck we want. The great powers of Europe can have Africa. They can have Asia. Um, they can have the Middle East. Um, but you know the Americas are ours. Like that's what it ultimately comes up. That that's what ultimately the Monroe Doctrine became. And over time, the United States has you kind of enforced the Monroe Doc. Uh, they've uh, enforced the Monroe Doctrine only like I think twice um, against the Europeans, but they've essentially issued it as kind of a as a justification for you know coups, um, invasions, punitive expeditions like they did with Mexico, um, you know, it's like helping armed death squads and like backing dictators and military juntas and this other stuff. And like you know, eventually, like after a point, you like you know, it's very natural for Latin American people. To like you know Latin American and also like African Amer uh, African American people and by America I mean the Americas not not the United States that's uh, mm. very important um, like everyone kind of just like got very fed up and very much brought all this to the fore um, and this ultimately culminated in uh, what was called the Pink Tide of Latin America when a bunch of social democratic uh, Somewhat anti-imperialist, like or like anti-American, uh, specifically. Yeah. Um, like uh, parties came into power. Um, all of them like like democratically, like they all got elected. None of them had like a like uh, any push or like were funded by the Soviets or fucking whatever. Because like by this time, the Soviets were dead for about like ten years. Yeah. Um, this is like a nineteen nineties two thousands phenomenon. Um, like they all got in legitimately. And, and the biggest of the kind of the pink tide was uh, Hugo Chavez of Venezuela. He got in, I think it was in 2000, 2000 I think. Yep. And he got in at 2000 uh, into the presidency of Venezuela. His party swept uh, swept con like their Congress, the legislature. Um, and he began, uh, he began by nationalizing the oil industry because Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in, in the world. Um, and he essentially used uh, all this money from the oil because of a recent um, uh, kind of boom in oil prices. Um, so oil was very much a, a very high commodity. Um, and he used those funds to help to aid the poor, to aid the working class. Uh, poverty was essentially almost destroyed in Venezuela. Illiteracy was basically eliminated. Um, people like people had like, the child mortality rate dropped. Like basically every sign, every like signifier of quality of life, essentially went up um, in Venezuela under the Chavez regime, um, and then eventually, and like, but but of course this angered the United States, and in 2002 the United States essentially backed uh, a military coup by the more reactionary elements of the Venezuelan military that uh, Chavez was wasn't able to purge uh, because of political reasons, because you know purging's Purges are always kind of messy, no matter what you do, or more how efficient you are at them. Yeah. And essentially, like there was there was an attempted coup. Like um, there was tanks rolling out in the fucking like in the streets of Caracas. Uh, um, and but like you know, Hugo Chavez went to kind of made a kind of radio announcement, says like, "Do like reject this military coup." 
uh, and he called on like not even his supporters, but like everybody from Venezuela. Like, if we're gonna solve these problems, they need to be solved by Venezuela, not by a U.S.-backed military. And all these people came out and essentially were like within one day was able to stop the military coup and put Chavez back in power. Um, and at this point, the United States very much realized that kind of doing a military coup so brazenly and so you know spontaneously was not going to work. Uh, this is going to ultimately become a long-term multi, like multi-presidency project um, to get Venezuela, you know, back in line with with American hegemony. So ever since then, uh, the United States has been essentially working on like using U.S. aid and other kind of Pentagon, uh, other you know, State Department kind of proxies to fund uh, the you know quote unquote democratic opposition. Um, of Venezuela with essentially money and food so they can pass out stuff. I mean, uh, it's kind of, it's literally on uh, the US aid, which is like the main vehicle for um, like basically the United States just giving food to, you know, poor countries. Mm. It literally says on the website, yeah, this is totally political. Like it's going to be used to further political ends. They're very open about it, Uh, mainly because they can be. And like, you know, what the fuck are they going to do? You know? Mm -hmm. So this was all like very much a very under under the surface, very slow, kind of very much a slow roast, if you will, of Venezuela. But like, you know, the Venezuelan economy was doing fine. Uh, like things have never been better. Like, there were, you know, the, the party was very popular because things had gone incredibly well. Hell, they didn't even like they like nationalized the oil industry, but like not really all that much else, like 70, 75 percent of like the industry in Venezuela is still like was still privatized. Uh, it was still within the private sphere uh, because ultimately, like the the kind of socialism that was like offered by Hugo Chavez, um, Chavismo, or you know Bolivarian Revolution, um, it actually has a name. It's called socialism in the twenty first century. Um, this is an ideology that is more social democratic than it is socialist. It's like a very aggressive, very anti-imperialist social democracy that ultimately is like, you know, socialism, um, you know, is a good goal. But, you know, we have to deal with the the kind of realities of now and we have to focus more on raising quality of life now rather than like, you know, abolishing capitalism later. Um, And ultimately just wants to institute social democracy, but in Latin America. Like that was that, that was the main drive of, of the ideology they kind of spread throughout the pink tide um, probably the second biggest would probably be um, Evo Morales of Bolivia but then uh, tragedy struck which was the price of oil essentially went in half um, and with that basically all the state funding that was mainly coming from oil from oil sales mm-hmm. basically disappeared um, the same thing happened in you know, Saudi Arabia, um, in Iraq, like all of these oil producing, like all the OPEC countries basically saw like the vast majority of their budgets basically disappear overnight. Um, this is, and this isn't like new, like this is kind of something that people have kind of been kind of warning Chavez, um, and like all these pink, like all these OPEC countries, um, about is like, you know, commodity, like economies built on a single commodity are incredibly precarious 
and are very much at the mercy of market forces. So because um, Hugo Chavez ultimately did not, you know, his, his main priority was, you know, helping people and lowering the poverty rate and, you know, all this other stuff, which is good. Uh, but he didn't divert any of those, any real significant amount of those funds to diversifying the economy to prevent um, this kind of disaster, this kind of inevitable economic disaster from occurring. Yeah. Um, this is ultimately something that actually Evo Morales from Bolivia, which also which also is an oil producing country, um, was what kind of he saw he read that you know he saw the message in the tea leaves. And he diversified the, the economy a lot more under you know during his presidency, um, and Bolivia is doing fine. Like they they're do, essentially doing the exact same thing as Venezuela did. The only difference is like they didn't bet everything on black, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now you know with Chavez, especially with Chavez dead and Maduro, who who's like kind of a, was a second in command, his chosen heir in power, and kind of not being you know in my opinion as competent as Chavez was. And kind of very much being back to a corner economically um, and politically, you know, this guy, you know, like things have been going very badly. The U.S. and now increasingly Europe have put sanctions on like, trade sanctions on like on Venezuela. So they can't import food or medicine. So there's a giant. So there is a famine happening now. Um, you know, people, you know, people on the opposition are burning or like it's been documented that they, they like they're burning tons of food because they're like hardcore accelerationists and they want the economy to go to shit. Um, they want people to starve and like you know die of diseases, um, specifically to make it look worse um, than it normally would be. Um, so, and now you got this guy called you know this guy Guido um, calling himself president and you know Trump uh, just saying okay. Um, and like all those, like, um, and like all the fucking like foreign policy blob monsters whispering in his ear, like frothing at the mouth to either do a kaputch or do an outright invasion of Venezuela. So and let me that's ask where you, we are now. Let me ask you this question, because I mean, I think this is interesting to me. I understand why the U.S. has been trying to push um, Venezuela's nose into the ground. I understand why Trump would do that, uh, and also it takes the heat off of his bullshit. But why the Europeans? Um, the Europeans, uh, specifically the British, especially, um, like to be treated as kind of a junior partner in imperialism. Kind of like the, the, the way I see it, um, it's kind of like a small, like an unspoken agreement where, where if you know, in return for the United States backing. Uh, you know, European claims on their old territories, like basically ensuring like they still have economic and some amount of political, like, uh, you know, political influence on their former colonies um, and kind of the U.S. stationing a fuck ton of troops in Europe just in case Russia ever does anything. Um, and, you know, like, but also, and also because like the Europeans rely economically on the third world to maintain their level, their standard of living. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of their like colonial, like neo colonialism is, is very much a, a real thing in return for, you know, in return for U S support for all of those projects. Um, essentially Europe is pretty much fine with backing whatever the fuck the United States want to do, especially Latin America, especially in Latin America um, where, you know, it's kind of, 
treated by the European powers, um, but as like, yeah, it is America's backyard. Like it is kind of their territory, you know, like they can do whatever, whatever they want. Um, you know, and because, you know, the United States let us do what we want in our backyard. Um, so, you know, this is kind of like neighbors helping each other out, like squashed little bugs in, in their yards. Yeah. Um, uh, but also like Europe is increasingly being run by more overtly authoritarian regimes. Like you have, uh, you know, Salvini and like the five star movement, um, in Italy, you have Macron, who's like who's like very much a very racist um, and like elitist figure, who's very pro-capital, especially in foreign policy. He's very much more aggressive in foreign policy. Um, you know, in France, um, you have Theresa May in the UK, and hell, like uh, the UK in general lo- loves to imagine they're like a little United States um, in their foreign policy. They, you know, they like to imagine they still have their empire. Yeah. Um, you know, Germany with Angela Merkel, like the conservatives are very much the same as everybody else. Like all these European countries in general are still very much in line with American uh, foreign policy for the most part. It's only when it's only really when like there's a possibility of their people dying that like they, you know, ha- do a little pushback um, to American foreign policy. Or they might, their corporations might be hurt by it. They might do oh, yeah. a little pushback. Oh yeah. Like, like BP, um, like all of like all these, European like oil and gas companies like it's like are probably like are probably like have like a raging boner for like for Venezuelan oil opening up to foreign investment. Hmm. So here's a a prediction question for you. Obviously, no one knows what exactly is going to happen next. But I guess, well, somebody knows what's exactly going to happen next. Let's not lie. But what do you think is going to happen next in this Venezuelan saga? Um, okay, so uh, I, I kind of have, like, two possibilities of how this will go down. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what, like, no matter what, like, the United States is gearing up um, to do something. Like, uh, just what that something is depends. Um, there's a very, very small possibility that they might – the United States must just outright invade and like basically turn Venezuela into Vietnam mm. or, or Iraq or Libya. Um, just a fucking broken country with the population just wants, just wants the foreigners out. Yeah. Um, their foreign invaders out. Um, like I know there's like, you know, Tom Cotton, um, all those like foreign policy, like neocons are pushing for that, like very publicly pushing for that kind of stuff. Um, but um, that's going to be very unlikely because that's a very large dedication of resources, and um, Venezuela has a lot of jungle, and the army is like, for, for at least from the reports so far, the army is very much on um, Maduro's side, and they'll probably just like they'll lose the cities, but like they'll go into the mountains and into the jungle and basically turn into FARC mm-hmm. and just have an insurgency, an, an insurgency that will never end. The United States will be mired in forever, like Afghanistan. Like, um, and that's something like, I mean, one Afghanistan is enough, <laughs> I think. Like, even they're not that dumb, but you never know. Yeah, um, I, I personally give me a very, very low likelihood, like the almost impossible. Like, if it is, like, we should all probably leave because they're gonna probably gonna start a draft soon <laughs> because <laughs> they just need bodies to die in the grinder. Um, 
that's very unlikely. What, what will probably happen is the United States will continue to put pressure, continue to issue more sanctions to intentionally starve, um, starve out the like the Venezuelan people. Um, like hell, even like Guido and all his supporters are saying, like we need more sanctions. We need you know we need to you know harm the people even more so that like they get you know angry at the wrong you know they, so they can get angry at Maduro rather than angry at us. You yeah. know, that's also be the bet that you take um, without taking into consideration that the fact that like sanctions usually make the regime like more powerful and centralize more power and make them more popular. Um, so uh, they're really taking a gamble with this one. Um, it'll probably result in some sort of some sort of coup. Maybe they can find um, a few segments of the army of, 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 of like the officer corps. Um, to do a coup, um, I find that very unlikely because they have, especially after the last one, they they purged pretty hard. Yeah, um, they've been cranking down. Uh, but again, there has been some attempts to, like, like they try to use a small drone to like kill him. <laughs> I remember <laughs> like, that to, to kill Maduro, like during a during a little, um, like during a, the military march. Um, you know, there was like they try to drop grenades from a helicopter, <laughs> like just like they didn't try to shoot; he just dropped grenades, like small hand grenades. Like not even actual bombs from a helicopter. Um, they'll probably find some people, but whether they're actually going to be organized or anything, we don't know. They might. They're probably going to try to assassinate him. That's not you know CIA's problem. <laughs> you know the CIA are also the people who tried to assassinate Castro a fuck ton of times and failed hilariously. Failed. Um, it's really ultimately when it comes to assassinations, it's a matter of like how good is Venezuela's counterintelligence people. Um. So um. Again, invasion is very unlikely. Could possibly happen, but very unlikely. Um, but more like a kind of like a Maidan, such like Ukrainian Maidan, uh, could happen where like essentially they like they just get so many angry white middle class people to march down uh, the streets and like remove him from the presidency or whatever. Like they have to do something. Um, they're like they can't resist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one possibility. Or they're just like fighting in the streets. The country just collapses. That's always possible. That, that's always a dark possibility. Like basically, like Libya. Well, um, so can, yeah, th- those are kind of like my predictions, or at least the possibilities. The possibilities. I can tell you, before as of 2016, things were already starting to collapse economically, and a lot of it had to do with corporations like withholding food and using their kind of power to capital flight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was a long time coming, and yet. He's still in power there. This is what I would do if I was Maduro. Now, I'm kind of agnostic on Maduro. Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's increasingly authoritarian, blah, blah, blah. And he probably done some shit that's a little bit unauthoritarian in. So I don't put this, what I'm about to say, past him. But this is what I would do. You have some control over state media. What I would do is just amplify what the opposition is constantly saying about sanctions and talk about the, how this, his government is illegitimate and turn that on them like, well, guess what? Look at these people. They're saying that your vote was illegitimate. They're saying that they want a foreign power to um, harm us so that you don't have food, so you don't have medicine, make things rough for you. Do that for a couple months. People get a little agitated. 
and then go in and just fucking arrest those guys. I'd arrest Guido and a couple of other his closer allies. You know, fucking just lock them up. Call it a day. Like, that is kind of what, like, Maduro's kind of doing. But, like, the problem is, is that, like, yeah, there's, like, state media, like, like you know, Telesaur is basically Venezuela. Yeah. It's basically the Venezuelan government. Like, um, but, like, the vast majority of the media, like, is owned privately. Like, there's some fines if you, like, you know, do, like, anti-government stuff. But, like, that's fines that, like, they pay, they feel fine paying. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the the, med- the the private media in Venezuela has been talking has been like basically shit talking, um, like ever since but ever since Chavez like decided to run for for, for the presidency, mm-hmm. and like they never stopped. Um, so that's you know there's only so much um, they can do with that, um, and and yeah like that the and it is true that like. Um, you know the the Venezuelans' voices like are being like are, aren't being heard. Like I think the, a recent poll just like more and more more and more polls are coming out, and like all of them are saying like like it's it's like hovering around eighty percent um, of Venezuelans say like they don't want the U.S. intervening. Like they don't want more sanctions. Like if it's like if it's a political problem of Venezuelans, they want Venezuelans to solve it. They don't want a foreign power. Like you know, like you said, a foreign power coming in and like just fucking shit up and probably making things worse in the long term. Um, you know, they've seen what happened to Iraq and Libya, you know? <laughs> and, like, they see what's happening in, in, in Syria. Yeah. They know they're um, next. Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned uh, uh, the recent elections. Um, so, originally, there was an election a few years ago for, like, the legislature, um, and, like, the opposition won a very nominal, like, a very, very, very slim majority um, so like Maduro kind of pulled this kind of like, oh, so we're just basically like, he's actually just created a new legislature that's like, that has some power and some, and like took some away from the, le- from the original legislature. Yeah. Um, and then had elections for those. Now, if now, according to the Carter center, those elections were free and fair, but according to the United States and the European allies, they weren't. And I trust the Carter Center more than I trust the U.S. and their allies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Carter Center, for those of you who don't know, are very much a very well-respected um, NGO that monitors elections and, like, are pretty much call bullshit when they see bullshit. Like, and they're very much, like, non-collected. They don't pick sides. Like, if there's an election, they go and they say either it's good and it's good or it's not. Um, and they say, and they basically gain a, like, it held, like, Venezuela has like ever since Chavez has always had like some of the fairest elections in in Latin America, like they beat everyone else out of the, out of the water, you know. And they said like, yeah, these are these are fair. The problem was is that the opposition uh, voluntarily decided to boycott the election. <laughs> like if they had an actual majority, like of voters, um, they could have easily they probably could have easily won the election. Yeah. But because the tactic isn't. You know, you know. Let's try to work within the system to kind of pull back Maduro. Um, they basically decided, like, yeah, no, we're basically pulling the like. They essentially chose a nuclear option and have essentially tried their best to make the to make the regime look more and more illegitimate. Um, you know, whether it's by 
you know, declaring Guido uh, fucking president and then having other countries kind of other like right wing like fucking Bolsonaro and like, you know, the shitheads that run Ecuador and, and Chile and like and um, and, per- and Peru, like call him, like call him the legitimate president of yeah. the United States and all that. Um, or, you know, you know, getting their supporters to burn down like food warehouses um, or, you know, or like intentionally doing like trade sanctions so they can't import food and medicine or, you know, freezing Venezuelan government accounts overseas so they can't, so they don't have any money to buy things with um, from like, from like third parties or, or hell, like, or, or was the first kind of big move, just not participate in elections anymore. Like basically, basically taking a page out of the anarchist book, out of the anarchist like organizing book, and just abstain from elections, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even if the elections are free and fair. Like, uh, doesn't matter if they're free or fair. Like, if they can, like, they have basically been able to show, like, oh, look, look, look at how low the participation numbers were. This is to- and like you know, the United States says it's not legitimate, so it wasn't a legitimate election, so it's not. Uh, so, you know, please send America, you know, Yankees, please come, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, come, you know, get, you know, this guy who has big, who has like enormous business ties to U.S. corporations um, into power. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll then like end the, end the sanction will, will magically end. Garbage. So no, he, he um, just like, just like, for one quick thing before we yeah. end, uh, like this guy Guido, he literally like he, he he basically said in one of like in like uh, in like a tweet or one of his speeches, um, he said like if I be- he essentially said if I come to power the the sanctions will end, which on the surface is like oh he's he's gonna like you know if he gets into power like things will get better and all this kind of stuff, but like if you look into it like like if you like if you actually think about it for a second like that's not a problem that's a threat. Like he's basically saying, like if you don't if you don't give me power, like things are gonna continue to get worse, and you're gonna starve. Yeah, that's an inverted <laughs> threat. I think that's yeah. fair to say. So, here's my question for you to kind of end things on. Us as Americans here in America land, um, is there much for us to do? I don't think so, but. You're a clever guy. You think about this stuff a lot. Is there anything for us to do? Um, real, uh, like, if you want catharsis, you can join, like, a P- like PSL's probably doing shit. <laughs> um, because, yeah, because that's what they do. Um, mm-hmm. and then, like, maybe there's some, like, DSA events or SALT events or whatever. Like, your local socialist group, especially the, Mar- especially the, the Marxist ones, definitely are, are doing probably something. Like that's cool for catharsis, and maybe like trolling some right wing people who pass by, but like in terms of realistic shit we can do, not really. These are all decisions being made at levels so high that no, that like no one can really do anything. Like the unions are basically fine with it, um, you know. Like like there's no there's no dual power organizations that can try to stop this. Um, essentially, like. You know, like there's nothing really that can be done, and that's incredibly depressing. <laughs> like it's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. If, if something's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Well, that's how powerful the state is, and, and also just how disconnected the state is from any act from like grievances. 
Well, on that note, thank you, Byron. The world's a lot shittier place than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, basically. We can, we, we can only look into the abyss uh, and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Hey now, we have come to the end of another episode. I just would like to remind you, you can follow us at Twitter at movement underscore color and support us at Patreon at patreon.com backslash movement of color. Until next time, my name is Brandon Peyton Carrillo. Adios. Color.